And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. And alert the media. Why they would give this man a podcast is anyone's guess. And there is what could only be a bizarre coincidence or something else. Welcome to the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. Track drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Country music and fine moonshine. You look like the vermin-ridden son of a bitch you are. A podcast for everyone in the good old USA and all around the world. Over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there. Quality booze and country music at its best. So you're saying, can you set my country music award on fire? The music... Nice and loud. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to a 11, exactly. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast. The show is great, even if you're sober. Well... My advice to you... Start drinking heavily. Jim loves his music and his whiskey. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Great music, great booze, and fun, even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean glass. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. For those of you just joining us, thank you so much. Today we are kicking off Season 3. We're kicking it off with Colby Acuff. Colby is out of Idaho. He is taking the Pacific Northwest by storm. He is taking independent country music by storm. He has just released an album last week entitled Honky Talk Heaven. If you have not listened to this album, you need to. You need to pause this episode, go listen to that, and then come back and hear this story from Colby because, my God, I, um, I'm i not going to lie to you. Full transparency, I don't listen to a lot of albums start to finish. Um, a lot of it is because of time. You know, usually it's broken up, what have you. Um, but last Friday, I just so happened to put Colby's album on and before I knew it, Colby's album was over. And I kind of was surprised. I had sat down and listened to it all, start to finish, and then restarted it and listened to it start to finish again and loved every second of this album. This is, to me, the epitome of country music. It is authentic. It is soulful. And I mean that like from the soul, not like you know, soul music. It is absolutely fantastic. This is an artist that, you know, I would put up there with Sturgill, Tyler, you know, that sort of sound. He is recently open for Flatland Cavalry, which is a huge, huge thing. Um, you know, like I said, you can see him all over the Pacific Northwest, Idaho, um, Washington, Oregon, 
Montana, you know, that, that area of the world. Um, so if you can check Colby out, um, you're not going to be disappointed. Every song I've heard from him is, is it's, it's country music at its, at its finest. Um, and exactly what I personally am looking for in country music. Now, with that being said, Colby, thank you for being here. Um, for those of you that have been paying attention or seen it or saw it last week, we are celebrating one year of the Boots and Whiskey podcast. I can't believe it already. Um, Memorial Day last year, I had gotten this idea to start this thing. And, you know, really, here we are. So, everybody, thank you so much. We are kicking off season three today with Colby. Um, I decided to put this out after his release because I wanted I wanted people to hear his album first before hearing the conversation. And that's really it. You know, we have a bunch of episodes ready for season three already. So for those of you that have taken the time to record your conversations with me and haven't heard them yet, you're in season three. There was some strategery with that and putting things together. So um, just trust me. I hope you trust me to uh, to put it out and, and do justice for you. Um, we have some great conversations coming this season. Um, some really cool names and cool people and cool conversations that I think are going to stand out from the previous seasons. Not to say that anybody's conversation was good or bad or indifferent. I think these these conversations, especially the ones we've had already, just stand out. They stand out. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, my own personal changing of the show and how I go about things and um you know some things I've been able to get out of people and I just want to say thank you to everybody that I've had on this show in the last year I can't believe it I can't believe it we've had so so many episodes <laughs> it's insane and I thank you all so much for being here um this Saturday we are emceeing Country Jam at Wojcik's Farm in Blackstone, Massachusetts. You're going to see Timmy Brown, Houston Bernard, a bunch of lo other local acts, a lot of local vendors. If you're local, grab a ticket. You're not going to want to miss it. The rain date is Sunday. If God forbid, knock on wood, something happens. But you know what? You're not going to want to miss this. And, it, and we're kicking it off. We're using it as a birthday party. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, so yeah. So without further ado, I want to bring you Colby's conversation. Here's some words about Wojix if you have any questions. And then our good friends over at CMV um, have a little spot for them. And then the conversation with Colby. So until the conversation's over, I hope you enjoy. And we'll see you on the other side. We want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Off the Rails here in Worcester, Massachusetts at 90 Commercial Street, Worcester. They have the best food, the best music around. You will not go wrong. Go to their website, offtherailsworcester.com. You can see their lineup of shows. You can see their menu. You can see the local talent they have. Absolute fantastic people. We love being a part of the Off the Rails family, and we love having them being part of our family. Thank you so much to Off the Rails. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey, Colby. Hey, man. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. How are you? Doing well, brother. How about you? Awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on the show here with us. It's, this is awesome. Yeah, man. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah. So, like I was telling you, you know, uh, through text and whatnot, this is all about you, you know, so I'm going to let you go and tell your story and, um, 
you know, I, I just, I can't thank you enough for being here. And, you know, as things come up, I'll, I'll, I'll interject and ask some hard hitting questions, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and, bring and them on, man. Bring them on. <laughs> this is what it's all about. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <clears throat> so, so tell us, who are you? So, uh, my name is Colby Acuff. I'm uh, born and raised in North Idaho. Um, and I'm a country music artist. I'm a singer songwriter. Uh, I say I'm a songwriter first, uh, entertainer second, but I'm hopelessly addicted to entertaining. Um, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm 25 years old. And yeah, I mean, I, I played my first show when I was 11 up here in North Idaho, and I've been playing in bars ever since. Um, but it really became real about two years ago when we, maybe three years ago now, geez, um, when we dropped our first album. And then uh, last September uh, was when I went uh, full time into music. So really, that's the quick synopsis. But that's basically the short story. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing to me because, you know, like, I do, you know, a little bit of research about everybody that comes on the show. And, you know, I was looking into your stuff. And, you know, through your social media, you have a huge social media following and presence. Like, how, how did that happen? Well, kind of how we started the business. You know, it's funny. It's like, to me, the music and the shows and all the things that are so good about this industry are separated to me from also when I have to wear the business hat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. And so, but when we started the business, I'd already been playing and writing a few songs for a long time. And at the time, I I was a fly fishing guide. I was selling real estate. I was doing music. I was doing whatever I could to make a buck. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was fresh out of college. I had, you know, kind of the world is my oyster, but what good is it if you don't really have a direction? So my buddy and I, we drank a few beers one night, stayed up real late. And he's like, dude, I hate my job. But he was good at his job. You know, he was a he was a really good digital marketer. And um, I was like, man, I just want to do music. And we ended up over a couple cases of beer deciding how we were going to do this. And we woke up the next morning and said, man, remember last night when we when we said that thing? Man, that was funny. And then we <laughs> kind of both looked at each other and we're like, why don't we just do that? So that's where it all kind of started. Six months later, we dropped uh, Life of a Rolling Stone, and the rest is just kind of history. That's that's incredible. You know, I, I've been listening to your stuff a lot um, since we first started talking about you being on the show. And, you know, to me, you know, it's really nice to hear, you know, somebody like you have that authentic, you know, what I call authentic country music sound, you know, because we don't have a lot of that anymore. Yeah. You know, and that's really all we want. I think the, the biggest thing for me growing up was I didn't love the top 40 that much. Right. And I remember everyone growing up, well, you should go on American Idol. You should do this. You should do this. And none of that ever sounded appealing to me. Yeah. Being a trend or being a part of pop culture is not a good reason to write songs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? So like, um, so for me, it was always about the music and I, I never thought I had a spot, I guess. That was my biggest deterrent forever 
was do I think I can write a good, decent song? Yeah, I do. I, I think, and I think I can play it, and I think we can. We have a good show, but where am I going to fit in? And then, uh, when was that? Maybe my sophomore year of college, I think, was when I found Tyler Childers. And that, you know, that whole sound between Culture Wall and Childers, and that opened up a lot of doors. Um, I will say an, an early inspiration that was on the top 40 that gave me a little bit of hope was Eric Church as well. Yeah. You know, when, when these people are starting to make this sound, and it's not only becoming popular, but it's, you know, super, super favored, I think, in a lot of places. Um, that's when I was like, you know what? We should give this a shot. Just see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how? so how does how does somebody from, you know, your neck of the woods, right? No pun intended. You know, <laughs> how do you, how do you get, you know, almost 17,000 Instagram followers? You know, how, where did you blow up to that, to get to that level? Well, when we dropped our second album, If I Were the Devil, um, that, that, that song, that album, that song, that's what changed my life. Yeah. Cause when we, the whole thing about our first album, Life of Rolling Stone, was we wanted to go on tour. And so me, and it was just me and my bass player at the time. That was like our traveling show. That's all we did. We just traveled around and did singer-songwriter stuff. And I was like, yeah, I got all these songs. We should just cut this album so we can go on tour so that Cody and I, my buddy who started the business with me, like just all, we tried to do it all within three months. Yeah. Start the business, put out an album, go on tour. We did all three things. Like we cut the album, we dropped the album, we had a small tour plan, we had all these things planned, and then COVID happened. <clears throat> we canceled around ninety shows, and it just was devastating. And so, uh, instead of completely quitting, I kind of doubled down. I went back to guiding for that summer, and I guided every day I possibly could, um, and I wrote. I wrote a ton of stuff, and. We dropped If I Were the Devil, um, thanks to a couple friends I met along the way, you know, a lot of media outlet stuff. Um, and I think just a lot of people gravitated towards that song, especially at that time in life, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that shit just caught fire, and we've been riding that momentum, I think, ever since. That's that's awesome, you know, because you don't, you know, you know we're out in the Northeast, right? And you know, every region has its own kind of thing, it seems like, especially in country music, right. you know, and like, you know, being, you know, I, I'll be totally, you know, transparent. I'm naive to, to your, to your world. Right. right. You know, I think, I think Idaho, I think potatoes and <laughs> nothing, you know, there's, you know, seven people that live in Idaho and that's it. Right. <laughs> um, but like, you know, it's great to see somebody like you with your sound and your talent, you know, really kicking ass out there. Yeah, you know, I think for us, I mean, there is not very many people who live in Idaho. You're right. It's, I think it's just a little, it's like 1.7 million people live in the entire state and right. it's bigger than, we have one county in Idaho. It's called, I or not one, but there is a county in Idaho County that's bigger than two states. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of wide open stuff. I live way up north, though, kind of this big lake region called Coeur d'Alene. Uh, mountains and forests and southern Idaho is flat with potatoes. But I don't know. My, there's a lot of great bands. 
that have actually come out of Idaho in the last 20 years. Um, and I think it's growing. The PNW, you know, th- there's definitely a scene out here for it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a combination. It's kind of like how I feel like the West, the Northwest right now, and the Inland Northwest. So, like Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, Washington, Oregon, this whole area, Utah. It has its own kind of thing going on. It reminds me of a quote from Willie Nelson when he was trying to convince Waylon to go to Texas in the 70s. You know, he told Waylon, you got to come out to Texas. They love all my songs. They'll love yours too. They're like half-ass hippies, half-ass cowboys, and they're perfect. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about the Pacific Northwest right now. Yeah. No, do you think, you know, not to, you know, I, I, t- I think I talk about it all the time and people are starting to get annoyed with it, but do you think a lot of the appeal of like where you are and, you know, east of where you are, a lot of that appeal comes from the success of Yellowstone? Yeah, I think it was, I think Yellowstone's a long time coming. You know, I, I have this, yeah. I have this theory with, I mean, it's just not theory, but it's obvious as things get popular other things obviously get more and more popular right that's not a coincidence like we're in the 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 trend of yellowstone which has put montana on such a global map yeah you know um in idaho and wyoming and all these places it's been growing though so much since i was born i've already seen it okay so like i've already seen that change um, that change has been happening for 15 years where I'm from, but Yellowstone has made it inevitable. Right. You know? and, and I think a lot of what, what I'm doing, you know, it, it's hard because I think the way that everything is going, I think there is room for a scene out here. There's a ton of great artists out here, good venues, good people, uh, a lot of country music fans. Um, but yeah, I think it's growing a lot. I think Yellowstone is putting an eye to it nationally for sure. Now, so what is it about your area that is making it grow so much? It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, uh, correct. But like what sort of, you know, other than, you know, what's the appeal to bring people there for, you know, is there an industry out there that, you know, maybe other people aren't aware of that is growing that well you know, is still kind of quiet? In the state of Idaho, basically, there's the north and the south. I live in the Panhandle in the north, where there's basically no industry. There's a ton. Like, if you are into real estate, so if you sell it, build it, whatever, there's great money there. Yeah. Um, we're the fourth. I think, the, what was it the other day? I read an article. Coeur d'Alene is the fourth most overinflated real estate market in the country right now. Wow. So... A lot of retired people and people who are working remote and stuff like that are moving here. It's quiet. It's safe. I mean, there's no natural disasters, extremely low crime rates, great taxes. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to moving here. Yeah. Uh, Southern Idaho, Boise, the capital, has a ton, a ton of stuff in the tech industry. So a lot of young people actually do end up moving to Boise. That's pulling in a ton of jobs. But up here in the north, not so much. It's mostly retired folk. Yeah. Yeah. So now being from where you are and doing doing this whole thing, has there be, ever been a thought of, you know what, 
yeah, yeah, I've got it pretty good here. Things are going well. You know, I can, I can tour this, this region, but you know, maybe I would be better if I went to Austin or Nashville or, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. So this is obviously something that's come up a ton, you know? Right. Um, And for me, it's hard because there, you know, I don't want to be an Idaho band. I don't want to be a Texas band. I don't want to be a Nashville (laughs) band. I want to be me. I want to be Colby Acuff. You know, that's, that's the whole plan. I'm sorry. This cat is actually screaming at me. Go outside. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't want to be a ge- uh, geographic band. I think that's sure. A, you know, just as much as I don't like genres, I really don't like geographic labeling on just an artist in general, you know, or like a sound. I mean, there is, you have to do it because how else can you explain certain things? But right. So for me, the answer is. I'm fine to live in Nashville. I'm fine to live in Texas for a little bit of time. I want to be buried up here, you know, at the end of it all. Yeah. I want to spend my final days up here. But another good thing, a buddy of mine and I were talking, and we were talking about this exact same thing. Well, should I move to Texas? That's where most of my fans are, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, dude, you're never going to be from Texas. You can move to Texas. You can be in Texas, but all those Texas acts are from Texas. You will never yeah. be from Texas. You will never. I mean, no one who lives in Nashville is from Nashville. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Um, but there's just certain things like that. So, I mean, and we're, we're planning on doing some bigger touring stuff next year. Texas, the South, you know, so on. I go to Nashville a couple times a year. A lot of travel from up here, which is not easy because it's about as far away from anything as you could possibly imagine. <laughs> right, right. But this is the price you pay because at the same time, if life gets a little too heavy, I'm 10 minutes from no cell service from here to Canada. So, wow. You know, like there's a lot of perks from living here. I can go, I can be fishing on a stream in 25 minutes. Nice. So, I don't know. It's, and that's the part that I love so much. You know, I think that's the part that I'm holding on to that I know that here soon in life I will have to let go and for a little bit at least. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, I mean, right. I was going to say because there's going to be a point where your your desire for uh, from others in other parts of the country gets to a point where it's like you have you just have to go there. Right. I also look at it this way, though. You know, it's funny. When we started, the, when we had this initial conversation of how we wanted to do things, I said, well, let's just look up how do you, how do you become an artist? Like, what is the way to do it? So we read all these articles out of Nashville and all these things of, well, first you got to move to Nashville. And then you have to start writing songs with other people. And then you have to do this and do this and climb this ladder and climb this ladder and climb this ladder. And I'm like, God damn. I'm like, this sounds pretty corporate. Like, yeah, this is exactly what I don't want to do. Right. And so we took all the books, we read all of them, figured out all these points, and we did the exact opposite. <laughs> and it worked out great for us, you know. And I think that'll that's our thing. And it's not um, it's not like a it's not a statement. It's not like we're trying to go against the grain on purpose and tell everyone that we're doing it and then slap outlaw on our chest and make it seem like it's some kind of right brand that's not us it's just we we knew going into it with our sound where we're from what we had you know what we were doing 
we at the end of the day we found out that the best thing for us to do is just to be authentic, be ourselves, and do things that make us feel comfortable. You know? Yeah. Do things that are within our strike zone and always swing for the fence. And that has been a pretty good strategy for us, you know? So, I mean, like, if I end up moving somewhere, and if that point comes, it will be because it's the right choice. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, but, and I love what you just said about being authentic, you know, and I think you know, not, I know I'm probably beating a dead horse, but even with that yellow stone, with the eyes on your area, right? right? You know, if people see that you're from Idaho and you're from this part of the part of the country, you know, there's right now, there's nothing more country and, um, you know, outlaw than that, you know, really right now, you know, yeah, of course you have, you know, Texas has their own thought process and their own, you know, um, I don't want to say stigma because that sounds bad, but their own vision or their own view. Right. right? But like you think of a, you think of a quote on, you know, a cowboy or, you know, whatnot or, you know, outlaw country. And, you know, for me, even doing this sort of thing, you know, I think of places like Montana and Idaho and Wyoming and the Dakotas and, you know, Colorado to an extent, you know, it's, it's got that feel. Yeah. And I think a big thing that, how I think about outlaw too. I think outlaw, this is a a new debate. Everyone used to debate on what was country and what is not country. Yeah. Everyone has absolutely given up on that. No one gives a shit about what is and what isn't anymore. The only people (laughs) that still argue about it is what is outlaw and what is not. It's the last debate. Right. My stance on what is outlaw and what is not outlaw. Outlaw is simple. It's not about songs or look or sound or whatever. It has nothing to do with all those things. Outlaw means you are outside. You are outside the glass looking in. Or you are, you're basically, you're not wanted where you want to be wanted. Yeah. You know, things like that. That is what gives you a chip on the shoulder. That is what makes you into the outlaw space. Because, I mean, and one thing I say all the time is no one picks to be an outlaw. Right. You don't wake up one day and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a country music star. And not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to do it the hardest way possible. (laughs) (laughs) No one picks that road. If you had a choice, you would fly to Nashville, get off the plane, sign a record deal and be on your way. to stardom forever yeah you know so no one picks this road i think the way that the road has that we have gone down it we've learned a ton and i don't think we i think we're way better off for it now we positioned ourselves in a spot where it's great but it's a it's an uphill both ways kind of thing yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely you know and i i think you're i think you're right you know, I think, and with the way it seems like to me, the genre is going, you know, it's the whole, you know, the quote unquote Nashville sound is starting to dwindle and you're starting to get more and more, you know, storytellers like you are. And like, you know, what I would consider raw, authentic, you know, even outlaw country. 
Hey, everyone, don't forget about our other partner, the DCU Center, dcucenter.com. Go there for all of their things that are coming. They have concerts. They have hockey. They have indoor football. They have everything you would want for entertainment right here in central Massachusetts. Whether you're local or not, come and check them out. DCU Center, 50 Foster Street in Worcester. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. You know, because I think that's the way people, that's that's the sound people want to hear right now. You know, there's so much shit going on in the world that, you know, I think country music fans gravitate to the music because it is, a lot of it is that. And it's becoming more and more of that of, you know, here's my thoughts, here's my beliefs, and this is what I'm standing up for. And we don't get a lot of that anymore, you know, especially in the mainstream. I totally agree. And I think, you know, there's... and this is also what I love about songs, you know, like you sit down for an album, you're going to write 25 to 50 songs, you know, you right. pick the top 10. Well, every song is different and there's always a place for every kind of song. There's a time to feel sad. There's a time to sing about drinking beer. There's a time to pay homage to a pickup truck. You know, there's yeah. times to do all these things. It's just not all the time. Right. You know, and so yeah. I, I think a little bit of variety and a little bit of, you know, with social media, you know, as much as I curse it, <laughs> it has allowed people to live in the life of whoever they like, whatever right. influencer, celebrity, artist, whatever the hell they want to call it. It has allowed them to become a part of their life. And so people want authenticity. People don't want to see them do one thing, sing about another thing, and then do the exact opposite on their Instagram or have it come off extremely fake. I think people right. swipe and move on so quickly now from unauthentic things. And that's why, I mean, honestly, that's why Zach Bryan has done such an amazing job of blowing all of this stuff out of the water. I mean, talk yep. about, you can't find a more authentic story slash person slash artist. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, and I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, to the credit of social media, whatever that may be, you know, it's, it's also giving artists like you and, you know, similar, you know, a voice that, you know, one, maybe Nashville is ignoring, or two, you know, would never get played on mainstream radio because it doesn't fit that mold. And with these, you know, with Spotify or Apple music or Instagram or whatever, you know, we have an opportunity here to get that raw authentic sound that I think people are really yearning for. Oh, I agree. And I think uh, another big deal to me is, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say this is a pretty controversial thing that everyone thinks about. No one says, but I don't have a manager, so no one's going to stop <laughs> me. So one thing about like radio Radio, Instagram, all these things that you want to be good at, they're all just social credit is what I call it. Yeah. Like, how cool are you based on all these things? Well, in my mind, like radio, everyone, I would love to have a number one song on radio. Obviously, everyone does. But at what point is radio no longer going to be, you know, that big thing? Because at some right. point just the way things are going radio is not going to matter as much except for that you have the number one song on radio right so right. you know i think spotify 
everyone bags on Spotify for their payouts. The Spotify also gives you free marketing. Spotify, you know, if you stream well, they'll also pitch your stuff to other people so that you can grow without having to do anything. Right. Which brings me to my final point, which would be just have a good product. You know, I think this is something that we've really focused on. Have a product that you like, that you want to sell, that your entire team wants to sell that product. And I just don't think you can go wrong. You know, you stay authentic, stay true to yourself and write stuff that you like. I think, I think that's the key. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, and I, you know, we, we can bash on radio, we can bash on whatever. Right. And I don't even think it's that. I think it's just a reality you know, where, um, you know, radio, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to, I don't want to say go away, but it's not going to be the influence, you know, I would say in 10 years, but I think it's going to be even sooner than that, that, you know, it currently is, you know, because there still is that, that yearning for radio, you know, I don't know how, (laughs) you know, in today's day and age, but you know, it's still, it's still holding on by a threat. A great example of this is like the reason why, well, radio is still around because a lot of the record companies own a lot of the you know radio or partial owners of some of these radio things they make sure radio gets put in every single car and you know let's say you're listening to something on your phone you get out of your car you stop playing that song that song is no longer playing if you are listening to the radio you turn off your car your radio is not playing but that song is still playing on the radio right so like that song is being played a lot more who's listening to it i don't know but it's being spun. Right. So I think that's a right. big reason why it's still around. You know, I mean, there's a lot of artists are getting plenty of plays from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny because it's like all of all the independent people I talk to, you know, it's, it's their one, it's one thing they talk about all the time. It's, you know, how, how much they would love to be on the radio, but they also don't need it as well based on, you know, all the things we've talked about. Right. It's just a social credit. Yeah. Would I love it? Of course. It's the same exact thing that I would say for a record deal. It's the exact same thing. Do, do I want one? Sure. As long as it's the right deal. Right. Um, of course. Do I need one? Not necessarily. It would obviously help if we got together with the right people, but we have you know, positioned our spot. You know, We're in a place where we're growing. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's also one of those things like back to my question earlier about, you know, why haven't you, you know, has there already thought of moving to Texas or Nashville? And, you know, you don't really need to with the way all of these things are, you know, you can get your music out there to people all over the country and the world. I mean, I mean, look at you're in North Idaho, you know, the, you know, one of the furthest spots that I could possibly be. And here we are. Exactly. You know, whatever you're doing, you're doing it and you're doing it well. Oh, we appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I, me and my team, we work really hard on making sure that we get heard. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. When you, you know, when you have kind of toured around, do you kind have you been just staying, you know, I don't, not, I don't want to regionalize you, but have you been staying in that Montana, Idaho, Oregon, Washington, Wyoming area? Or have you been able to branch out even further than that? So, yeah, I mean, that's where we normally tour, especially because we, you know, really got started out of COVID. 
So that's the other yeah. thing people got to remember. They're like, man, you haven't been on any major tours. I'm like, well, shit. Half the right. country is closed when I started. Right. So I haven't really had a time. So kind of like last summer we got out and, you know, then we started getting out a little bit more and more. Uh, we mostly play in the PNW in the Northwest area kind of stuff. Uh, but we've done a run through Texas. I'm, I go to Nashville, like I said, a couple times a year. So I'll be back in Nashville in July. A couple shows down that way. Um, but besides those, you know, really, and like, like I said, really only been doing this a little over two years professionally. So, but we've got a couple, you know, a couple rounds under our belt. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, you just, you got to get with one of those, you know, like a Zach Bryan or somebody that's, you know, small enough, but big enough, you know, if that makes totally. sense. Yeah. We just opened for Flatland Calvary. Um, I, I saw that that must've been a trip. Oh, they're great. They and yeah. honestly, like, not gonna say any names, but I've opened for some other people who were, you know, less than nice. Let's say or less, you know, yeah, less than gracious. <laughs> yeah, just whatever. Like I, you know, can't say anything bad about them, but I can't say anything good about them either. But Flatland right. was so nice. Um, great people. Uh, great band. Jesus, they were tight. They were super good. Um. But yeah, it was a great show, super fun. They let us play for an hour, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, and then I, I would love to do more stuff with them. Yeah, that, that that's great that you were able to play that long. You know, a lot of I know a lot of those kind of, you know, bigger bands are like, all right, here's your here's your twenty minutes, and you know, see you later. Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate. We try to if we open, we at least try to get a forty five minute slot, just because I. I'm a big hour and a half, two hours kind of guy. I really, yeah. I like playing for longer times and shorter. I hate feeling like we left something out there. Right, right. Now, now with your interaction with Flatland, and I'm only talking about it because it's, you know, it's the newest, it's the latest thing. Right. Um, you know, do is a lot of their graciousness, do you think, based on, you know, their management team, or is that a lot of just them? No, it's just, they, they just are great people. Yeah. They are, they, they just, they understand. Yeah. You know, they, they understand because they're, they're still independent, actually. Um, not a lot of people know that, but they, they're managed under Make Wake and then they have another manager as well. And then I'm pretty sure they're independent. And but, so they understand, they know exactly what it's like. And they're just super nice. I mean, they, I couldn't say enough good things about them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish they would come up and play up in this area, but you know, a lot of these bands and a lot of these artists um, we've talked about, they just don't, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, no. it, it's a shame, you know, like um, perfect example, like somebody like Cody Jinx, right? Yeah. He, he would never typically come up here, but he's playing, three shows up here in the next couple of weeks but oh, they're dude. all aco- they're all acoustic and you know he, he he's even you know come out on his socials and been like you know we don't come here so if you want to see me this is your chance <laughs> you know kind of right. deal yeah where, yeah, where it's... are you at in the northeast so i am about an hour south of boston and about uh 25 minutes north of providence rhode island okay yeah you're a red sox fan oh yeah Go yep. Sox. I'm a big Sox fan. Yeah, nice. Nice. That's awesome. Um, 
yeah, it's you know we're having a rough season, but yeah, it's it not is, looking good. But that it is what it is. that started. I mean, I knew as soon as the last World Series, like the last one that they were in, was over, yeah. that it was not going to be good. Now, how do you become a Red Sox fan living in Idaho? Yeah, I knew that was coming. I could uh, at least be a Mariners fan, or you know, I Mariners are my second favorite team. But growing okay. up, I had a buddy, best friend, growing up since kindergarten. His dad is from Massachusetts. And it was religion. So yeah. I, I I grew up watching the Sox since I was five. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's awesome. Yeah. Because yeah, I, you know, I see it all the time and I hear it all the time. People are like, oh, you know, the Red Sox. Red Sox. And it's like, you know, for somebody like me, you know, I'm 35. You know, most of my life and childhood, the Red Sox sucked. You know, they, yeah. they, well, they just were bad for the majority of mine as well or not the majority you know, but like when i was starting to like them they're bad right and you know 2002 three four rolled around and it was like oh cool and then they just you know dominated for you know 10 years or so and now it looks like we're going back to <laughs> to the way it was but you oh, know, yeah. they won't be like, that bad but they'll be pretty bad yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. They won't be like the Cincinnati Reds or anything, but they'll. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm so happy you know, said that. My girlfriend's dad is the biggest Reds fan, and I always oh. give shit for it. So I'm so happy to <laughs> <you> said that. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Yeah. So when he hears this, he's gonna be real pissed. Yeah. Right. Like, no. <laughs> I actually no. can't wait, Dave. I hope you're listening because <laughs> I hate the Reds. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because, like, when it comes to National League teams, I just never, you know, I've, I've been a big Nationals fan, but a lot of that is because when I was in college, you know, I spent a lot of time in D.C. because of what I was studying and, and all that. But, um, you know, other than that, I don't give a shit about the National League. You know, it's it was always JV baseball. <laughs> That's what I always say, but everyone always disagrees. But now they got – I mean, dude, their salary caps are crazy. I mean, the amount yeah. of money – that the NL has some of those teams like the Dodgers that build these super teams and I don't know. And they've won a ton of series the last 20 years. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's been nuts, but you know, it's also, I, I don't know. It, it's hard because it's like a pendulum with everything else, you know, with major league baseball, you know, some, some years the American league is like on fire and then, some years, you know, you get a sneaky National League team that, you know, plays fundamental baseball and, like, plays baseball. They don't play this, you know, long ball game. You know, it's it's right. great. You know, it's great to have both both balances. And I think that's why I was so pissed off when the National League took over the DH role because it's like, you know, you have a – you almost have superior baseball play. You know, you're playing the actual game in the National League rather than the American League where it's just how many home runs can we hit? Right. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I guess yeah. it's, you know, home runs are what put, you know, asses in the seats and, you know, the National League has been struggling with that. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I think it always hurt the NL. Like if you went as a National League team into the series, I think it always ended up hurting them that they had to, you know, they don't have really a DH system. Right. So I, I think that hurt them quite a bit because like. I don't know. I mean, most pitchers aren't going to get a hit either way. Right, right. But now you go play in an American League baseball field for the World Series. Now you're supposed to completely 
comply to their rules and have some super freak who can just hit it, you know, who's going to bat 700 in the postseason and hit home runs. Like, just really right. hard to come up with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, to go back to the Red Sox, you know, we played some really great, you know, National League teams in those World Series that just couldn't, couldn't produce, you know, in the series or against, you know, what we had going on. Maybe two. I think the Red Sox have beaten two of the best pitching uh, teams ever. And I think the first one to go, it wasn't an NL team, but to go to the World Series in 2013 uh, when they beat the Tigers. Yeah. And then when they beat the Dodgers. Yeah. Like those, that just proves to me that if you have good hitting, it will beat good pitching. Yeah. Oh, every, every time. Yeah. Every time. I mean, Ortiz that year batted 7 10 in the postseason, I think. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, but like that goes, that also goes to the, to the argument of, well, all he does is hit, you know, yeah. but it's like, that's, that's exactly the point, you know. But he hits seven out of 10 balls. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> that's hard to do. <laughs> right. It's hard to do no matter what position you're playing. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but I guess, you know, people always gripe, well, if that's all you're doing, you should hit seven out of 10 or, you know, whatever. And it's like, you're probably right, you know, but it's still, you know, that's like the steroid thing. It's like, Dude, there, there's so many DHs that can't hit their hat size. Right. I and mean, it's just the reality of what it is. Right. It, it sure is. It sure is. You know, you can, it, you know, like I was saying with the steroids, like you can take all the steroids you want. You still have to hit the ball. You know, being big and clunky and strong doesn't necessarily mean you're going to hit it. Right. Doesn't mean shit. <clears throat> right. That's what right. I also love about baseball. It's the only sport. Well, it's two things. It's the only sport where the defense is giving the ball to the offense. Right. It's also the only sport where everyone is actively trying to cheat and everyone doesn't really care. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we saw that with the Astros a couple of years ago where. Oh, uh, between that know. and then the whatever they whatever the substance was last year, they're using on the balls that big. Right. It opened up. I mean, just a great sport. It's such a great American sport. That's why I love it so much. Such it really a, is. My favorite sport by far. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like country music. You know, it's <laughs> very unique to, to where we are true it's american like you right. can't take it out i don't know i yeah i would agree a beer a hot dog a ballpark and country music they all go together pretty well yeah they really <laughs> really do yeah they re- <laughs> really really do uh yeah it's it's nuts uh, that's you know and that's it's perfect because it really is you know the, all those things are so authentic to this country that you know even when people outside of this country try to take it over or, There's one thing I have learned through all of these episodes we have done, especially with our guests in the South, Nashville, Texas, anywhere in those parts. Here in New England, we are missing Southern fare and hospitality like you can't even imagine. But 
right now, fear not. We have the Porch Southern Fair and Juke Joint up in Medford, Massachusetts, just a little north of Boston. Um, if you're in the area or coming to visit the city, go check them out. They're at 175 Rivers Edge Drive. That's in Medford, Massachusetts. Again, check out their website, theporchsouthern.com. They have live music. They have the best food in New England. I'm going to just say it right now. The best food in New England for that Southern hospitality, that Southern fair. You won't want to miss it. Our friend Jonathan Post is the chef and owner of The Porch. Great dude. Glad to be working with them. Check them out again, theporchsouthern.com. Trying to make it their own. Like, it, that's great, but it just, it doesn't do it justice. No, it's just, it's always, like, I mean, anything. Sports, music, whatever. As soon as you put that same thing somewhere else, it's going to have, influences of that other whatever culture you know yeah yeah absolutely and things are going to bleed and and all that totally it's it's just it's not the same i agree i know i know that sounds probably arrogant but it's just not the same no it's well there's no fenway (laughs) anywhere else i mean that's true that's true have you ever have you ever been to fenway not yet no no it's um it's great it's I'll just say that. It's great. Don't like go if you ever get here and go to a game there, don't expect like the greatest um how's the what's the word I want? Um fan going experience, you know, when it comes yeah. to like sitting in a stadium because you know, you could sit behind a pole for nine innings, like legitimately. Yeah, no. Um, I- I've just like, I mean, I've been to some really nice ballparks. I've been to some really shitty ballparks. I've been to like, that's one thing when we go out on tour, we go travel. We always try to catch as many baseball games as possible. Yeah. Like that's kind of our thing. So we've been to a ton of different stadiums. Um, like I, the nicest stadium I've been to that I would say is uh, the new Rangers stadium in Arlington. Oh yeah. That thing is bad acts. Yeah, I bet super awesome stadium but i mean like i like the rangers i guess i mean i but they're they're just they're the texas rangers like right you know so i don't know i mean in my mind stadium and team and like history all that stuff plays into a ballpark yeah absolutely you know and you know i've gotten to go to camden yards and oh, yeah. you know that was really nice you know even though it's a little more newer yeah um, but it, it still had that Fenway feel where, you know, the vendors outside and they closed down the street, and, you know, which was, which was cool. Um, but you know, you're right. There's, there really isn't anything like Fenway in the, in the, um, the love and the feel of the sport. Right. I mean, that's like that whole area is like kind of the birth of baseball. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we have one of the oldest teams, so I guess. Yeah. I guess yeah. yeah. Uh, man, I could talk baseball all day long. I really could. I know, I know. It's a great tangent, though. Like it's perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's very it's very personal. Very. Yeah, totally. I agree. Very. Um. So now, what is your plan, music wise? You know, for the rest of this year, and you know, leading up into twenty. Oh my God, twenty twenty three. Right. Ooh. I know. I uh okay, so we're dropping a new album on June third, so that's next Friday. Or this Friday. It's this Friday, June third. That's this Friday. Wow. Yeah. Dropping a new album. It's called Honky Tonk Heaven. 
And we went down to Sonic Ranch in El Paso to cut this one, uh, which was a great experience. Everyone down there, phenomenal. One of the coolest music experiences I've had. Um, and this album, the whole thing behind this album was I wanted to really show in an album what we do at a live show. So it's full of energy, honky-tonk songs, traditional country music. Because um, a lot of the stuff that we write, you know, is more singer-songwritery. It's more close to the chest, a little slower. You know, we got a couple fast-drinking songs and so on. But this album's a little bit more of an auxiliary where <laughs> we just wanted to show. Like, when you come and do a live show, you're going to want to hear this album. Yeah. And so... That that's a big thing that we wanted to do, and then we're booked uh, pretty much this entire summer playing around the PNW, going to Nashville in July, um, and then looking for 2023. Uh, we're looking to cut our fourth album, and we'll do four albums in four years, and we're looking to do a, a little bit more of a national tour next year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, if you ever get up here, yeah, I am. I am there. I need. Yeah. To, I need to see you. Because I absolutely love all the things you've put out so far. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, so before we before we wrap this up and and all that, what what are some things about you that you would want you know you want people to know about you and your music and how it how it all relates to each other? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I guess I just want people to know that I'm, I'm just a very simple, normal guy. (laughs) You know, there's, uh, there's not much to it. I think, you know, everyone says it's pretty authentic, but it's just, it's way easier for me to be me than for me to try to be someone else. Yeah. Um, so all the stuff you hear and whatnot, you know, like I still, I don't have anyone running my social media. So if anyone wants to reach out, I always reply. Um, you know, I, I guess that that'd be it. I just want everyone to know that we're just trying to do our thing. And I think what we do is just be ourselves. That's awesome. That's, you know, and I think that, you know, it goes a long way, you know, between that and your music. You know, I think it's really authentic and people will hear it in your, in your music. And I, you know, I really, really have hope that your sound is what's coming in the future of the genre, you know, for a more mainstream outlook. Yeah, no, and I think we have a place, you know, yeah. um, <clears throat> there's a lot of times in my life where, you know, I would be talking to friends and family and they'd be like, well, what do you think about this? And my answer to them would be like, oh, we'll just kind of see how this goes, you know. And recently, I would say, I, I think we got a really fighting shot, you know. Now I'm pretty confident that we have a place in this crazy industry, and I think we'll be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do. I really think you, I really think that you will. You know, I, I think your career is only going to get bigger and more lucrative as you go well yeah i mean sure hope so for us i mean but once again i mean the way i look at it 
something that I never thought would happen, you know, happens all the time. It's just, it's crazy that we have real fans, people who don't know me that reach out to me. We have <sighs> fans, you know, shit like that. Yeah. More than I could ask for already. So we're already batting above our heads. So that, that's awesome. Got to keep up with that. Yeah. And you know, you're gonna, and you will, and you already have, I mean, you know, to be able to, open up for you know people like flatland and you know other the other big names you've been able to do like it's it's just a testament to you and what you're doing well thank you man yeah you know once again we appreciate it absolutely um so for people that are listening that may not know who you are how how do they follow you how do they get in touch with you you know what's all that look like so what you got to do is find your local search engine and just type in colby (laughs) acuff and uh you can pretty much find me i'm on instagram twitter tiktok spotify apple music amazon music all the above and in between just type in colby acuff and you'll see my ugly mug i got a ginger beard and uh yeah just give it a listen it's awesome that's awesome now i got a few actual questions um one i know you're a miller light guy um (laughs) You know, I, I, and I hear there's an interesting story to that um, from, from, I, from people that I've, you know, heard about you and know about you, um, which if you want to tell that story, that'd be cool. Um, so if it's not Miller Lite and you have a whiskey, what would that be? Oh, I see. If I don't have a Miller Lite and I want to drink a whiskey, what would it be? Is that the question? Yes, sir. Well, good news for you. I do like to drink whiskey on occasion. Um, usually, though, I'll tell you this. Not that I prefer it this way, but normally when I drink whiskey, it's in between two Miller Lights, and it's usually in the form of a shot, and it's usually chased with a pickleback. Interesting. And I really like that, but that's just because, you know, I'm drinking well at that point. And yeah. <laughs> we're just putting it down. <laughs> yeah. But if I had to have a glass of whiskey, I'm a pretty, I like Woodford quite a bit. That's a nice bourbon. I'd rather drink bourbon. Okay. Um, so I'd probably, I like, I like, you know, obviously I like Buffalo Trace as well, but uh, Woodford is a perfect bottle for me. We also, we have a, like a band drink kind of that started with our first album. Uh, we drink rye quite a bit, Bullet Rye. Yeah, oh, I love Bullet Bullet Rye. Bullet Rye is one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, that's that's been our our recording drink. Like when we yeah. record an album, we get a couple bottles of Bullet Rye. <laughs> nice, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what, was I don't the, know. what was the story you heard about Miller Lite? I don't know. Just I guess there was there was some rumors out there about things you were trying to do to get a, get a Miller Lite sponsorship. Oh, Um, yeah. No, and this is... Okay, yeah, I'll share this. This is funny. So we... I, My dad can tell you the day he started drinking Miller Lite. (laughs) And I was growing up, our fridge was always stocked with Miller Lite. I mean, just Miller... I didn't even know there was another beer that existed until I was like 10. You know, I just didn't know. So a lot of Miller Lite growing up, at least like around, not drinking it, but it was just around. And then... um, so it just, you know, it became my beer naturally. Um, after stealing a few of my dad's back in high school, you know, that was just what it was. Yeah. And I love Miller Lite, I guess. That's my drink when I go out. It's my drink when I do anything. Um, it's great. No one ever asks me what I want to drink. They just give me a Miller Lite. 
So it's pretty easy that way. But uh, yeah, so we've thrown it in our songs. I've made some stuff out of it, like some different, uh, not merch, but like, you know, some different like signs and things that have my name on it and the logo. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I I figure at this point, if we just keep making enough noise, they're either going to sue us or sponsor us. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I doubt they'll sue you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I always say, if they do sue me, at least they know who I am. I can give two shits at that point. They know why that, I'm here. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. That is 100% accurate. Um, so now, what about what about your boots? What boots do I wear? Yeah. I wear Tecovis. Okay. Yeah. That's, that seems to be the, new, the newest, um, you know, everybody has Tecovis. It's so funny though. I so yeah. I so my very first pair of Tacovas. I actually I bought a pair of ostrich boots, and I bought yeah. them five years ago, three years ago. It was a while ago. I walked through both the soles. I have four holes total between two boots. I mean, I walked yeah. right through them. They've played so many shows. I mean, they're just great boots. So and then now. Uh, now that they've become super popular, I'm but the thing is, I'm not if it's trending, great. If it's not, great. If I like the product, I'm gonna wear it, right? Best boots I've ever owned. I also I own a pair of Stetsons and two pairs of Ariats, and then I have two pairs of Tacovas. And the Tacovas are the most comfortable boots on the market, in my opinion. So I switched over to the I have their suede or rough outs, they're called the Johnnies now. And I love these boots. These are my new, I wear them every day pretty much. And I swear by them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have a pair of Ariats and those are the only ones I have. And, you know, I love them because it's, you know, I guess it's all I know. But, um, you know, the the people over there at Ariat have been super, super sweet to me. And, you know, have kind of, you know, done some cool stuff for me along the way. So I guess I have a bias, but um, I would love to have a pair of Tacovas because that's all I hear is how comfortable they are. Yeah, I mean, and I'm a big cowboy. I don't like ropers as much. Yeah. I'm a tall guy, so I don't know. I'm, well, I'm not super tall. I'm like averagely tall. I'm like 6'3". So, <laughs> well, to me, that's super tall. Well, that's the other thing. I don't know how tall you are. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm 5'7 on a good day, or at least that's what my license says. So Fair enough. With I mean, up here in the corn-fed great north, you know, it's like everyone up here is six-something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, I don't know. So, I like the cowboy boots. They got a nice heel on them. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I enjoy them. And that's my biggest thing about cowboy boots is when you got to stand on stage, you're – on a gig day, I'm just up so long. Like, I'm just standing and running around, and I just don't sit down for 15 hours. Right. So to have a comfortable boot that when I take them off at the end of the day or I wake up, my feet don't hurt. Super important to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, for me, you know, I, I actually put it out there on Twitter the other day about, about um, boots. And for me, you know, I, my, I'm, a, I'm the type of guy where my body just runs hot. Yeah. So now that it's getting hotter up here in the Northeast, it's like, for me like all right well the boots are going back in the closet until the fall and you know the shit i got from people was like was outstanding they're like you can't put your boots away and i'm like i i'm hot i'm hot looking at them dude (laughs) it's never ending yeah like 
you get boots, you got to follow these rules or else everyone on Twitter is going to tear you apart. You get a cowboy hat. Well, now you got to get three cowboy hats because you got to follow all these rules that you can't wear this one at this time and you can't do this and you can't do this and it has to be this way. It's all just whatever. Just do whatever you want. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's what I always say. It's like, dude, I don't know. Like in my mind, like I wear jeans and boots all summer pretty much. And I like, sweat like a pig. I mean, it's terrible. I'm sure. Terrible. But this is, I'm comfortable at the end of the day in this. I like this. I also wear flip-flops and jeans. I also wear flip-flops and shorts. I wear socks and sandals. I'm not a very fashionable dude. Like, I don't really give a shit. That's not my job. Right. You know, I don't know. I dress myself for a show. I look presentable. I go on stage. They're not there to look at me. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. It's just the thing. <laughs> oh, man. Your girlfriend must love your fashion sense. She must, like, just be like, this is, this, I am so happy to be with you. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I love my girlfriend. She's the best. Because honestly, my girlfriend, I mean, she's just the most low maintenance woman ever. She's great. She puts up so much shit and asks for nothing in between. She's the sweetest girl in the world. I feel like there's a butt in there. No, no butt. No butt. I I was waiting for a butt, you know. (laughs) That butt's good. I don't have a butt with my girlfriend. That's That is, she is... She's good. Now, if you were interviewing her, she wouldn't even said but. She just would have started with all the, the shit list of things. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's just a, you know, I think that's a female thing because my wife would have done the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, now, you know, the next, the next step, Colby, is, is, you know, is getting down on one knee and just proposing and, you know, doing the whole thing right but i mean if dallas jackson here with tips and music artists are you tired of getting five dollars to play freebird how are you getting fans to engage with your own music venmo and linktree are just temporary solutions until now tipsy music is the one-stop shop for live music to make your life easier and monetize your set list tipsy takes venmo apple pay google pay and even credit cards all through your unique tipsy qr code the best part is no app to download so fans can pay you quickly and get back to getting tipsy while watching you do what you do best Sign up for free today at tipsymusic.com. That's T-I-P-S-E-E music.com at tipsymusic on all socials. Long live live music. If I said anything about it here on the podcast, then it would kind of... <laughs> right. It would take everything away. Fairly public thing we're doing here, Jim. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I appreciate the sentiment and you, and you think about the... The, the listenership is that big. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. But still, I mean, I mean, once I put your your episode out there with all your followers, I mean, my stuff's going to blow up. So I I think you would advance. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, oh man, it's it's this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. No, I mean, uh, I this has been a great podcast. This is a great yeah. setup. You're a great host. Thanks. Thanks. You know, I just like to, you know, I like to, for you to be you, you know, there's no bullshit here. There's no, you know, there's no sponsorships. There's no, you know, PC police. There's no, you know, well, you can't ask this or you can't ask that. You know, I don't, I don't give a shit, you know? Yeah. And I like it where it's set up. Cause I don't feel comfortable when interviews are set up to be 
like cushy and they're just a bunch of these softball questions and then it's like man i feel like i didn't get i like if any of my fans are listening they didn't get any more information about me right Right. Like they didn't, they didn't learn anything. They don't. They're not going to show this to anyone. They're not going to be like, look at this cool moment where you said this. They're not going to show that to anyone because it's just right. who, what, when, where, why. Like there's just there's no deep level. So oh yeah, I I love yeah. podcasts or interviews like this. Yeah, I you know I hate the whole you know, and I hate even starting up like all right, well tell us who you are and go ahead you know but it's like I hate that like so where did you grow up you know was you know was music a part of your life and it's like well no shit it was like <laughs> yeah you know I mean, like one person that it, it wasn't right Wait, just, like one kid never heard music until he was right. 40 like what's going right. on <laughs> right it was one of those like oh yeah I'm you know I, I I sing songs and write songs but I just started like three weeks ago and had never heard music before in my life like right. give me a fucking break yeah exactly. um you know but I hate, I hate that. You know, it's like, well, well, tell us about your music. Tell us about your latest song. It's like, fuck right off. Yeah. You know, like that, like everybody knows that you're on this show because you're a musician and you have a song out or an album out or something has just, you know, recently come up. Like, right. here's the story about the person and why, you know, the song sounds the way it does, you know, whatever, you know, because I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, if the audience gets to know you as a person, they'll get to know the music even better because they have that insight into, you know, who you are and why you wrote or sing the song you sing or the songs you sing. Totally. And there's like, there's a really weird phenomenon that happens um, on multiple facets where like you could listen to a song, the recording of a song, and you're like, dude, I don't like this song. I think this song blows. Right. Then you go to his live concert and you see him play this song and you're like, shit, I like this song. I have a memory yeah. with this song now. Yeah. Same goes for like, I don't know who this artist is. I don't really like this artist or maybe I don't know if I like him. Listens to a podcast, listens to an interview, likes what he has to say, whatever it is. Now, all of a sudden, they're more willing to listen to you or like, you know, go down that road. I think it just comes back to the same thing we talked about, which is where transparency, authenticity, all these things, allowing people to look into your life and showing who you are, good, bad, ugly, whatever, just showing them who you are is going to give them all the information they need to know to make a legitimate decision on whether or not they want to like your music. Right, right. I mean, perfect example. Like, you know, he's a big name right now, but you know, before I saw Hardy about a month ago, oh, like, yeah. I, I didn't give a fuck about Hardy. Like, to be totally honest, you know, the, yeah. I, I didn't really know his solo stuff. You know, I knew he had wrote songs for Morgan and Blake and, you know, whatever. Like, that was all well and good. But I had the opportunity to go see him. And the name was enough that, you know, I know once I was posting that I was there. And, you know, again, it's all about eyeballs, right? And it's all right. about bringing people to, you know, to see what you're doing. You know, I went to that show and I was like, shit, like, this is actually really fucking good. Yeah, I've heard his live show is epic. <laughs> yeah, and you know, his his live, the, when I saw him, it was just him. He was acoustic. He had been super sick that week. And he still, you know, I would still put him up against people that have been doing it for, you know, a decade or more. Right. 
it's just there's nothing better than you know seeing somebody you're on the fence about live because i think that's when you get a better sense of who they are well and i say this a lot no one believes me but i think of it this way because i think it's it's easier for me to envision it when i go on stage but uh think about this way everyone goes to a concert subconsciously to see something bad happen to like to like it's like watching the car crash yeah like you go to the concert because you want to see this person live well why you want to see someone sing your favorite song or do you want to justify that you like them because that's how humans are right like do you go to a concert because you're like oh yeah i want to see this person because i like their songs or do you want to go and be like okay let's see what this guy is really about because from here on out, I'm either going to like them or I'm not. And yeah. that's why, like, I think when you go out on stage, you have to give 150%. You can't leave anything out. Like, even if you're having a bad night, whatever, you got to get the crowd. If you get the crowd and something goes wrong, like, let's say you break a string or something just goes wrong. Now is your opportunity. Everyone is sitting there, jaw dropped, eyes wide open. What's he going to do? They're on the brink of giving up on you. But if you can, like, adjust to that position and turn it in your favor, they will never forget you and they will never miss another show. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but you know what's also interesting about that? You know, the exact opposite can happen. Like, this actually just happened to me this past weekend. I couldn't wait to see Chris Young live. Okay. You know, I love I love Chris Young's music. I love his voice. I love the way he sounds. I saw him live and he left a lot to be desired. Yeah. You know, he sounded great. You know, all the songs were awesome. You know, I just had a different idea, I think, in my brain about what I was going to see. Yeah, and that happens, you know? I mean, and this, exactly. The exact opposite can happen as well. I think as a performer, in my mind, I just always think, when I walk out there, they're waiting for a fire, so we might as well give them one. But like in a good, <laughs> right? So right, and I I don't know. I've never ever ever been what I would say nervous, like nervous nervous for a a show ever. I've had a little bit of nerves before some big shows, like opening for Flatland, we open for Jake Owen and Diamond Rio. And all three of those shows, I'd be lying if I didn't say I had a few butterflies. But I'm. Like, people don't realize when you wake up in the morning, the day of a show, let's say you wake up at nine, the show's not till nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So you're just like, you know, pacing the floors, waiting for it to happen. So I think it's more like I'm anxious to go than I am nervous to go. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You know, so, but I've never really been nervous for a show in my life. And I think it's just because I'm always like, I got nothing to lose every time I walk on the stage. It's always different. Right. Right. And that's, I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. I mean, they, you know that they don't want you to do bad, but like subconsciously, if something goes bad, that's when they're going to pull out their phone. <laughs> right. Right. It'd be, it could say, well, I was there when. Right. And as soon as they pull out their phone, something bad happens, you turn it into a great moment. <laughs> right. 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 Oh man, yeah, it's it's fucking true. Um, damn, you know, you know, Kobe, I could talk all night long. 
this yeah, is, this, no. has been, this has been a lot of fun. Um, and as much as I would love to keep talking, it's getting late on my end of the world, <laughs> and five thirty a.m. comes quick. Fair <laughs> but, enough, brother. Um, I, I, you know, I love hearing about you and about your story, and I think everybody else is going to as well. Um, you know, anytime you have something going on and you want to come on this show, you're God, please reach out. You're more than welcome. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be able to call you a friend because that's how I consider you now that we've talked all this time and gotten to know each other a little bit. And, um, you know, I appreciate you being on the show here with us and you have our undying support with everything you do. And we can't wait for you to get up here. Hey, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. I'd call you my friend as well. And yeah, I will keep in touch. I'd love to come back on. Yeah, hell yeah. And, you know, when, maybe, you know, one of these days when we're in the same spot, you know, we can, you know, hopefully we'll be planning something for next year. And if it all works out, you know, I'd love to be, love to have you be a part of it. And I can talk to you about that, you know, later on as, as things get going. Yeah, of course. Anything that I can do to help as well, you just let me know and I'm game. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Colby. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Have a good night. All right. You too. Of course, we can't forget our friends at the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company out of Canada. That's drsupplyco.com. They have great stuff. All of the hats I pretty much wear, all the camo hats you see me wear either on TikTok or in pictures or whatnot, all come from the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company. A big thank you to those guys out there. drsupplyco.com. Check them out. Canadian company. Great stuff. Check them out. Well, there you have it, everyone. The first episode of Season 3 is in the books. Colby, thank you so much for being on the show. You've you've really outdone yourself in independent music, independent country music with Honky Tonk Heaven. It's, it's flawless. It is great. It is... It's cowboy music, and it's awesome. Um, so thank you so much for that. For everybody else, thank you so much for listening. For all your new listeners, please follow us. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, everywhere. We're everywhere. Just find us, Boots and Whiskey Podcast, Boots and Whiskey. Um, you'll see us everywhere. Um, thank you for everybody, for our friends over at CMV, Matthew Allen Photography, Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company, Requester App, um, everybody. Everybody, thank you so much for this opportunity um, to do this for you for the last year. And... Um, Season three is going to be even better than season one and two. Um, and we're just going to keep getting better and better. So thank you all so much for hanging in there and sticking with us. And, um, and you know, like I said, we're going to be doing, we've got a bunch of concert reviews that we have in the, working on a lot of time, a lot of personal things have been happening to keep me away from that. So um, we will be getting those done and out. Um, concert reviews are going to be slowing down here probably until August again. So everybody, thank you so much for bearing with us with that. Um, all of our friends at Live Nation and everybody else, thank you so much for all of the opportunity. And, you know, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next Tuesday with a brand new episode. And, um, you know, thank you. Keep checking everything out. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. Or if you want to be on the show, reach out. We'll get you in the schedule. We are blocked out for quite some time, but we'll chat and we would love to have you. So until next time, guys, keep the boots on the grass, whiskey in the glass. Keep the boots on the ground, the whiskey in the glass. Why did I say grass? God, I've done this how many times? <laughs> but anyway, um, keep the boots on the ground and the whiskey in the glass. Cheers, everyone. Good night.